0: Hey everyone, it's Jay Fifth here. Just really quickly wanted to pop in and invite you to join our DEI recruiting panel that's on Wednesday, November 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. It's an incredible panel featuring employers like PwC, Accenture, Serco, Wavestone, Hershey, and more. Free registration link is in the show notes. Again, that's Wednesday, November 15th at 3 p.m. Eastern. We'd love to have you there. If you're listening to this after the 15th, Then just check out managewoodconsulted.com for the recording or stay tuned to the podcast where it will drop soon. Thanks. All right. Let's get into the episode. What exactly is going on in consulting right now? Well, instead of answering for ourselves, we brought on seven incredible consulting firms to answer the question for you. Really excited to share this virtual panel that we recently conducted featuring KPMG, Kearney, L.E.K., and a number of other incredible firms to answer your pressing questions about what's going on in the consulting hiring landscape right now and what to expect over the next six to 12 months. It's really amazing lesson. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more about each firm and to get connected to job opportunities that they are hosting right now. A lot of amazing opportunities to get plugged into consulting. Hope you enjoy. Thanks for listening.
1: Hi everyone, it's Jenny Ray LaRue from Management Consulted. We're really excited to welcome you to today's State of the Consulting Industry panel. We are getting hundreds of questions a week about what is happening in consulting right now. And we thought instead of answering it ourselves, we would bring on some amazing firm experts to do exactly that for you. What you'll see on today's first slide here is an opportunity to scan for ways that you can connect with each one of the firms that have joined us today, which I know will be of interest. To many of you, so all of them have provided a way for you to specifically find out more about the firm and to get in touch. So thank you to all of our panelists for providing that in advance. Uh, if you scan that QR code, you'll have all of the information that you need. In addition, I have a moderator from my team that's on the call today, Japheth Mast. He's going to be making sure that all of your questions about different firms, et cetera, are answered. We also have some folks from the firms that are in the chat. So if you have questions questions, questions for specific firms. If you will just put at the beginning of your questions today the name of the firm that you're asking the question to, that will help them more appropriately address your questions as you go through the session today. Jacob, we can go ahead and move to the next slide and talk through today's agenda. Uh, We're going to go through, first of all, our panelists' intros and a response to an opening question. So each one of our panelists for today are going to have the opportunity to share a little bit about themselves, about their firms, and about an opening question. The second are some questions that we pre-selected. We said, these are the ones that we're hearing en masse from y'all, and we want to share them with the entire group. So uh, the moderator curious, questions we're going to go through. Not every firm will answer every question. Then afterwards, we have a section of pre-selected questions from you. We had over 200 questions submitted. So thank you so much for submitting those questions into the session today. And then finally, we will wrap up with a closing session. So one final note, just for the benefit of everyone who's on the session today, we've provided multiple ways for you to connect with these firms. You can connect with them in the chat. You can scan the QR code and get connected with them. But uh, what we don't wanna have you do is just come off of mute, just for the interest of the entire conversation. So please do remain on mute for the session today. And with that, I'm looking forward to kicking off and uh, diving in. So panelists, I wanna give you a very warm welcome. What we'll have you do is. Is I'll just uh, go through each of your firm names, and then I'll have you introduce yourself, your position, um, and also your firm, as well as one thing that excites you about the future of the consulting industry. So, Advancy, we'll have you go first.
2: Thanks, Jenny. Hey, everyone. This is Nanlu Lu Lee. I'm a principal at Advancy New York office. Um, maybe not a lot of you have heard about us. Um, so, we are a UTI consultancy headquartered in Paris. We have over 300 consultants globally um, across offices, including London, Paris, um, Frankfurt, Shanghai, Singapore, and Sydney. So we are pretty um, international. Um, we primarily focus on strategy and due diligence in the chemicals and life sciences industries. So these are kind of our bread and butter. And um, compared to some of the uh, other firms present here, uh, we are relatively young. Our New York office was uh, opened in 2019, so a couple years ago. Um, and since then we have experienced extremely significant growth. Over the um, last couple years, we are almost doubling our re- revenue year over year. And we expect this trend to continue. And our goal is to uh, double our current size in the next two years. Um, so maybe it's kind of like jumping the gun a bit that we are expect to continue to hire. Um, we are hu- actively hiring now, and we are expecting to hire a, a lot of consultants over the next few years as well. Um, one thing that excites me, I want to share is AI and use of ChatGPT. Um so I when I started my consulting career uh over 10 years ago I I remember back then we had uh dedicated researchers so you have to reach out to those researchers to you know help you find information or data um but now with the use of ChatGPT uh our consultants can you know find information very effectively and efficiently so I'm kind of uh, interested to see how we can incorporate Chat GPT more into our daily work and so that our consultants can focus more on the more um, higher value adding work versus, you know, the more mind numbing tasks of finding data.
1: I love it. Thank you so much for that intro. And I'm sure the words we are hiring and we'll be actively hiring are very, uh, a warm welcome to a lot of the folks in the audience today. So again, thank you, um, Advancing, And thank you Lou for joining us. Uh, Let's go to Bates White next.
3: Sure. Thanks for the opportunity to join you today. Uh, My name is Joe Kinter. I'm a principal in the antitrust practice at Bates White. Bates White is an economic consulting firm. Um, Been around for about 25 years. the practice areas that we primarily focus our work in include antitrust finance life sciences mass torts and we have some energy and transfer pricing work Um, we're consistently looking for undergraduate consultants phd economists and data engineers uh, who perform a variety of tasks for us at bates white Um, our clients are primarily attorneys uh, who are working on behalf of corporations government agencies state governments um, to engage in some of these litigation environments Um, And our office is located in Washington, DC. We just have one office up there, about 350 employees that work out of that office. And we have a hybrid environment where people are around for three days a week and then have flexibility the other two. I think the thing that's most exciting for me um, about the the type of consulting work that we do is the ability to bring in more technical tools, um, different than maybe chat GPT. We're increasingly seeing big databases, which serve as the focus of a lot of our work. And so we're using AWS, Databricks, we're working in the Tidyverse programming and R, Python's data. So there's a bunch of fun technical work that's going on as part of our work.
1: Awesome. Thank you, Joe. Welcome. Really excited to have you. Uh,
4: Let's do IGS next. Great. Thanks, everybody. Um, my name is Jen O'Hara. Um, I've been at IGS, which stands for Investor Group Services, for about 19 years now. I was on the client facing consulting side um, for my first dozen or so years until about five years ago, I switched to the internal operations side. Um, so now I work on staffing our projects as well as um, recruiting and developing our talent. Um, So, we are a boutique consulting firm primarily based in Boston. We do have offices in New York and Chicago. Um, however, we're founded and born and bred in Boston. Uh, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary. And our primary source um, of business is working with private equity funds, helping them with commercial due diligence projects as well as help them um, grow their companies in their portfolios. So more strategic engagements with portfolio work. We are also busy and hiring, um, hiring both um, looking at 2024 MBAs as well as some current real-time hires as well. We just onboarded a bunch of 23 grads, both on the undergrad side as well as the MBA side. Um, So we expect to continue to source really interesting, great talent um, to build to our team. one thing I think we're excited about is again I think people have mentioned big data already but um, for our clients we're really trying to deliver more nuanced recommendations using this big data um, so we're looking to also hire you know data scientists to help us with that um, but we're we are doing our traditional management Consulting work as well as um you know incorporating more larger sets of data um, and sort of distilling that down so we can give our clients better um, sets of information to make better, more informed investment decisions.
5: Love it.
1: Thanks, Jen. And from one Jen or Jenny Ray to another, <laughs> I, I, I love the two N-gens when I see very, them. I feel like very important. <laughs> there's got to be a story behind it. Maybe we'll have a chance to hear it today. Thanks again for joining yes. us. Great. Um, Carney,
5: we'd love to hear from you. Yes. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Kara Bayaki. I'm from Carney, Formerly AT Kearney, we are one of the oldest management consulting firms. We were started in 1926, which is kind of exciting um, and have evolved since then. We are global. We have over 5,300 individuals um, across the world. We are in 40 countries um, and we are focused on strategy operations, transformation and, and a whole lot of other things. So very exciting time. I think one thing that that um that we are really focused on is just the overall transformation of the way of working. We're coming out of this large global pandemic. you know we're kind of on the other side of this. We're in a very interesting market right now in the u s and in North America, and I think people are being very creative we're talking we're listening about big data and AI being very creative about how we work. We kind of went through this disruption together a couple of years ago and and it's changed and shifted the way that people want to work on a day-to-day basis and how they want to interact with their colleagues and their clients. And I think there's a lot of opportunity there. So I'm really excited about the creativity that I'm seeing in the market in terms of how do we now come out of what we all went through and what are not only what are our clients and our businesses looking for, but what are we as a firm looking at, um, you know, in the next, uh, in the near future. So really excited about the transformation and kind of the regeneration that's happening.
1: I love that. You know, we are answering a lot fewer questions about work-life balance and travel than we used to. So maybe you can speak a little bit to that. But I think that will create a talent advantage going forward that that was a, a maybe a little bit of a, a challenge in the past. So yeah, looking forward to hearing more about that today. Kara um, also, you know, for years, people kind of would come to us and say, who has the hardest Case interviews, and and I always was of the opinion that they thought it might be McKinsey, but I thought yours were the hardest. So maybe at some point today, you can tell us whether you think that you've um, earned that reputation fairly or unfairly. So interesting, to, good to yeah. know. All
5: right, yeah,
1: I'd, I'd love to hear a little bit about about um, that as we share a little bit more about the process. Um, great, let's go to KPMG, Ty. Mm.
6: Hi, thanks, Jenny Ray. Ty Enmark. Mark, I'm a principal in KPMG's federal advisory practice. KPMG is an advisory tax and audit firm that spans the globe. We're in 143 different countries, over 265,000 individuals that serve the needs of our businesses, governments, public sector agencies, not-for-profits um, through all of the services that I had, had just mentioned. Um, I personally am our federal advisory industry lead, so I oversee all of our go-to-market Um, activities, operations, and support for our federal government clients. Uh, What makes me most proud of working at KPMG is just our commitment to delivering results, to outcomes both within, for our clients, but within our communities. Uh, Core values are are a huge part of what makes us uh, different at KPMG that we're dedicated to living those out in the execution of our work on a daily basis. And really just in this kind of rapid change and unprecedented disruption that we're seeing in the market, um, we bring confidence, we empower change to our clients to be able to drive those business outcomes successfully. Um, as we've, a number of folks have mentioned data and analytics AI, the, the way that technologies and the way that we operate is changing so rapidly. Um, what excites me is just taking on these very difficult and complex challenges with a group of folks that I love to work with and learn from on a daily basis and have access to all the capabilities and tools that enable us to be successful to make this change in the world. So thanks again for having me here today
1: we're excited about that i don't i don't know if you answered it in terms of what you love about kpmg but what's something that you're excited about in the consulting industry at large one thing that you're seeing in the future of consulting that excites you
6: great question and you know it's i've always said it's the the people and the challenge and if i wasn't taking on very complex challenges that were making me roll up my sleeves and thinking innovative ways um, or doing it with people that I, i loved learning from that you know we we love to challenge the status quo that's how we learn that's how we innovate and that's folks from brand new, you know, interns, new hires that are thinking differently than, than traditional ways, bringing new thoughts, in, inputs, uh, a set of diverse backgrounds and experiences that they can bring to that team environment to help us look at problems differently. And that's where a lot of the true innovation uh, comes from. And it just makes me so excited to see the breakthroughs and capabilities that we're putting out in the market because we're, we bring that one firm approach to all the challenges
3: we're taking on.
1: Love it. Uh, Ty, one thing that we're really hoping to hear a little bit from you today is just because KPMG has its uh, fingers in so many pies, right? All of the work that you do across so many different sectors, I feel like you're really uniquely positioned to give us a good macro view. Um, A lot of people are asking us, KPMG, but where? Uh, and so maybe helping to answer that question where you're seeing um, you know, growth and change as we move through the session today, that'd be super helpful for for folks that are listening.
6: Absolutely. Again,
1: yeah,
7: thanks for joining. Um, awesome, let's move to LEK. Great, hi everyone. Amanda Winters, I'm a partner at LEK based in our New York office. Um, for those of you that don't know LEK so well, we are a global strategy consulting firm. Um, we are actually celebrating our 40th anniversary this year. So, not quite the age of Carney, but we, we've been around um, for quite a bit. Um, we have over 2,000 staff um, across the globe, nearly 200 partners. Um, I'm one of them. And, um, you know, really at, at LEK, I would say our focus is really on. Growth strategy for for corporates um, as well as MA is really our heritage, uh, but we have really expanded into additional offerings for our clients, just given the demand, um, you know, and interest in things around, um, you know, whether it's uh, data and analytics, sustainability strategy, things like that, that have you know become more of the the forefront over the past few years. Um, I would say and. All the comments around sustainability—not uh, uh, sustainability can mean two different things—but more from the work-life sustainability perspective. Um, LK has always been different um, than other firms in that we, while we are, you know, client service and focus on our clients, we never traditionally travel to be on-site with our clients as much as other peers, and you know that is definitely grown true. Um, and and so that's been um, a consistent theme, I'd say, uh, of the firm. Uh, we are definitely uh, recruiting now for select roles, both for, you know, uh, at the associate or post undergrad level, as well as the the post MBA traditionally or consultant level. Um, so we are also doing some recruiting um, from our perspective. Um, I would say uh, one thing that excites me most about the, the future of the consulting industry, and I've been at LEK since 2008. And you know, the market's always changing and there's always going to be a need for these types of services. Um, When I first started at at LEK, I think um, it was in my week of orientation where Lehman Brothers collapsed and it was a very interesting time to be joining a new firm. Um, And, you know, just seeing how my first few years at the firm, we were focused on helping our clients get through the great recession. And then obviously over time, it evolved more recently to how to get through COVID, how to manage through the impacts of COVID, you know, on our clients, um, how their their ways of working, how they stock inventory, all of these, these day-to-day questions. And so there's always going to be something in the world that's, you know, forcing our clients to make these types of tough decisions. And that's when they come to, to firms like us. So. Really looking forward to what the the future holds and hopefully that was a okay intro um, on L.E.K.
1: Wonderful, yeah, we're so glad to have you. Thanks again for joining. Uh, Last but not least, OCNC.
8: Thanks, Jenny Ray. Okay, I tried to say something original rather than just repeating the fellow panelists. So I'm Stephen Carolyn. Uh, I'm a partner in OCNC's technology and media practice in New York. Uh, I've spent pretty much my whole career with OCNC I joined the firm 12 years ago um, after finishing my undergraduate studies in London and then I moved out to New York in 2015 when we opened our office and our US operations and uh, have been really excited to play a part in growing us from a team of five at that point to a team of well over 100 today and that's a team which we are looking to continue and expand and grow across all levels now and in the medium term. In terms of where to place us on the consulting map, probably two things, as, as the name suggests. We are strategy specialists, corporate growth strategy, and commercial due diligence is all that we do. Four to eight week, short, sharp project. Uh, no operational, no implementation, no transformation type consulting. The, the second is around the type of companies that we help solve those problems for, and we focus on three sectors, technology and media, B2B services, and consumer, which encompasses consumer goods, retail, and leisure. But um, well, what excites me about the, the next few years at OCNC, and I think would be true at you know, any of the other firms, is, is the talent we're gonna bring in to our team. Um, our own strategy at OCNC is about being the best home for the best strategy talent, and what will enable us to deliver better, more innovative, more creative answers for our clients are the people that make up the business we are. Um, one of my roles within OCNC's US business is overseeing our, our recruitment activities. Um, and that's what, yeah, you know, I think my involvement in that reflects that passion for, for building our team that, that we all share here. I
1: love it. Thank you, Stephen. We're excited for the conversation today. And um, I'm sure you will say things that are different, but you'll also say them differently. So thank you also for bringing another accent to the table. We really appreciate that. Um, uh, You know, one of the things that I just want to make sure everyone knows who's listening, um, we we, uh, expect that this conversation will be naturally broad today. It is intentionally defined that way. This is the state of the consulting industry, not the state of consulting hiring only. This is the state of the consulting industry for talent at all levels. So, Uh, So the work that you would be doing both at the entry level, as well as some of you who may be coming in from an expert partner perspective. And we also have people that are joining today who are firms or prospective clients of the folks that are here. And I know that there are people that are here for many different reasons. We recognize that it is not always ideal to try to be many things to many people, but intentionally today's panel is a launching pad for future conversations. Um, And so I just wanted to to make sure that everyone who's in the audience listening knows that wherever you are coming from, you are very welcome into the conversation today. What I'll do now is move into a series of moderator-oriented questions. We're not going to do round-robin like we just did. I will ask just one question to a few, uh, a a kind of smaller handful of pre-selected firms, so everybody won't get a chance to weigh in on these questions. For those that aren't weighing in, you can feel free to mention something into the chat if you would like to as well. But I'll go through three questions, and I just wanted to give everyone a perspective at the high level of what the three questions are before we go into it. The first one is that we're going to talk about industry or practice areas where you're seeing the most growth. Why? What's the demand driven by? What's changing in the market? Where are the growth factors? And, And thinking through this, like consultants, understanding kind of where the roots of a few of those questions are. So I think that will provide some great context for the remaining parts of the conversation. The second one is about uncertainty. What's an area of specific uncertainty that your firm is seeing right now, and how is that affecting how you operate, how you hire, um, how you staff, or or how you kind of generally just conduct business? Um, And the third is, what is a skill that you're selecting for in candidates that is different than you looked at before. Uh, I know that early in COVID, one of the questions was, can we transition any kind of hiring to Zoom? How can we effectively check whether somebody's there on Zoom? And then the conversation post-COVID was, well, they have to be good on Zoom. They're going to live on Zoom. And so, um, you know, we've seen those kinds of transitions, just curious where your firm is coming from in terms of what you're looking for that may be differential. Um, And the the last thing that I just want to say is that, uh, you know, y'all heard every single firm here say they're growing, they're hiring. I just want to say I'm not a liar for everyone who I've told for the last, you know, eight to 24 weeks that we've been talking about this kind of disruptive state that the industry is in. Firms are still hiring um, and we're going to get some good clarity on what that looks like. So um, I, I want to just begin with the first question. This one I will direct first to KPMG. Uh, then to OCNC, and finally to Bates White. This is about the one industry or practice area where you're seeing the most growth in client work right now and what is driving the growth. Um, so, KPMG, I'd like for you to begin with that, son.
6: Absolutely. Um, we're, so, it is a, a balanced portfolio of industries, growth, and stagnation right now that we've seen. Um, so within our, our government practice, both at the state and local, uh, as well as the federal level, we've seen a significant area of growth. And I think it's just um, the, the operating environment is changing. Some of the skills that are required for traditional uh, consultants and how you go from strategy through implementation is, is changing. Data skills are kind of table stakes at this point. So as we look to um, you know specific types of skill sets and how we're driving insights into the market, uh, folks that have um, almost kind of a multidisciplinary approach—you don't have to be an expert in all things—but the way that tools and technologies are available to be learned today, whether it's low-code platforms, whether it's um, some of the you know R, Python coding uh, technologies that that we're able to drive insights from, um, combining that kind of strategy and insights through some of the technology understanding and how do you connect these things together has been a big differentiator because our clients want outcomes. They want outcomes that help drive their mission drive results but they also want them faster and different so although we're continuing to grow when we're hiring um, it's hiring into a different operating environment where you're utilizing technologies where you may be substituting some of the the roles that were traditionally filled by just you know a, a group of people um, that doesn't mean that we're not that we're replacing humans we're just using people in different ways to be able to drive those outcomes um, which I found is really fascinating. We've really pushed our data, data literacy programs. So once you're into the firm, these are also tools and technologies and approaches that we're continuing to coach you up, provide certifications, provide paths to continue to evolve your skill set. So I'd say that having a willingness to be able to broaden the core things that you're really good at and experts in the field and be able to continue to lean into areas that um, may be a little uncertain from what your background may, may have previously looked like are areas that we're looking at saying, okay, these are individuals that we can help to continue to grow their careers to drive those outcomes that our clients are looking for.
7: Love it,
1: Ty. Okay, so let me just recap to make sure I heard you correctly. You said infrastructure, government, and healthcare. That's not one practice, that's multiple different practices, right? At KPMP. Okay. That's correct. Um and then stagnation. Where are you seeing stagnation and why? Just curious about that.
6: A a little more on the, um, like, you know, just traditional commercial clients at this point. I think some of the uncertainties within the market, where interest rates are right now, where there's some saving of cash to be able to put into some of the um, transformative, where we play a lot, that transformative space um, has been pushed a little bit to the right. So we're still seeing deals closed. We're still seeing the need for. Hiring and resources to be able to fill those—it's just not at the pace that we forecasted, which is making us think a little bit differently about the market and how we're uh, how we're hiring and how we're executing against it. Super helpful. And then um, on the
1: flip side, on infrastructure, government, and healthcare, wh- what's driving that? Why are they Why are they spending like drunken sailors on these yeah. kinds of things? I don't know if, it's still I
6: don't know. It's an unfair, an unfair
7: statement.
6: Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, 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 but we are still seeing. You know, look, our our government still has to continue to modernize the way that they deliver their services. Expectations, especially through and coming out of COVID, had changed for how we interact with a lot of these different types of services and different types of um, capabilities that our clients have. Um, From a Department of Defense perspective, uh, it's very, you know, very uncertain times, and um, there's there's a lot of different uh, fronts that have been opened up, whether it's in um, you know indo whether it's what we're seeing in the Middle East. Uh, some of the technical technology capabilities that, you know, you got to have the right people. You have to have the right um, capabilities. You have to have the right tools at the right place and time. So a lot of our supply chain and logistics um, from a cyber and risk perspective, making sure that we're uh, that, that we're helping to keep everything as secure as possible. And then from our, what we've done with smart warehouses, what we've done with supply chain modernization, what we've done with, uh, you know, data and analytics to understand real time, um, um, Information for having the right parts in the right place so that you can be predictive and not have, uh, you know, types of military capabilities not be fully functional at any point in time. These are things where we're con- continuing to see um, a high level of demand for our services and where we're winning and, and delivering in the market.
1: Okay, awesome. But no drunken sailors in sight,
6: huh? Nah, not in today's political environment, but you know, <laughs> that, can always, that can always change.
1: Okay, I love it. thanks. Stephen, OCNC, what's your perspective? What's growing? what's stagnating, and why?
8: Yeah, sure. so so at the highest level, I think we have been seeing more growth in the corporate strategy work than in transaction support as I'm sure it's most listening in the the deal environment over the last few years has not been as hot as it was the year before, so it's so a corporate strategy. Has been the great for us. In terms of industry, I think what we've seen is less some industries growing more than others, but actually pockets within each of our sectors where either specific subsectors or specific types of projects uh, we've probably been seeing a lot of in recent times. To give a couple of specific examples, my colleagues in our B2B practice have been spending a lot of time with services vendors in the ecosystem around the energy transition, where you have the combination of Long-run structural tailwinds, a short-term and, and relatively recent buoyancy in the underlying funding environment, which is creating big and immediate strategic questions for companies and investors in that subsector. Um, on the technology side, a topic we've been spending a lot of time thinking about with our clients is h- how can they best align their proposition and commercial models with the underlying that. Um, drivers of value mm-hmm. for their customer base, um, especially in a context of you know, an inflationary environment and, and um, higher interest rates placing more importance on kind of near-term profitability than perhaps longer-term kind of cash flow. And then on the consumer side, I think my colleagues have been spending a lot of time thinking about customer loyalty for all sorts of different businesses as some of the changes that we've seen either demographic changes or also changes in people's consumption habits that are kind of crystallizing post-pandemic. Um, our clients are thinking through what: well, how should we respond to this new structural norm?
7: Hmm.
1: I don't know if it's fair to say that. Is that a move away from customer acquisition toward customer loyalty or is it a balance, a, a rebalancing?
4: Yeah. Um,
8: Oh gosh, you're, you're testing my knowledge of projects outside of the <laughs> Why spend of my time now. Anyway, I, I think it's been, I think we have seen more of those questions around loyalty in the very recent time. I think all those levers become important. But what we tend to see is um demand for the type of long-term strategic thinking we do tends to come at inflection points and points of change and uncertainty. Okay, how do I respond to a change in something? So um, I'm sure customer acquisition is remaining very important for all those of customers, course. but perhaps it, there's less immediacy of, is that something I need to be thinking about fundamentally differently? Um, before, before you puzzle, said that, I had yeah, never... I had <laughs>
1: I never thought of that as one of the impacts of a higher interest rate environment, but in a lower interest rate environment, you're gonna spend more liberally potentially to acquire customers. You might have to think about that differently. So that's that's a great nuanced insight, really appreciate that. Um, the last one is um, Bates White. So Joe, for Bates White, if you could also share a little bit about this, how does the market change for your services in, uh, in this kind of economic time and why? Any areas that are stagnating? Um, and then any of the other firms that didn't get a chance to share, if you wanna pop something in to the chat,
3: you're more than welcome to. Sure, yeah, happy to, to discuss quickly. Um, I would say that uh, economic consulting, maybe differently than management or strategy consulting, um, is a bit immune to business or economic cycles. It's kind of anti-cyclical in that way. Um, a big part of this is that you know the government, uh, as Stephen said, you know continues to spend, and in particular with uh, the current administration antitrust scrutiny is heightened and, and so although most of our practice areas continue to grow, I, I just wanted to highlight that the antitrust practice in particular has grown recently. Um, you know this is in part, I think because of the increased scrutiny, but Bates White you know has a, a growing stable of experts that are viewed favorably among the you know the hiring law firms and corporations in this, uh, environment and that the quality of the work that we deliver, I think, is increasingly differentiating Bates White from other consult economic consulting shops that might be considered for this type of work. So, within antitrust, some of the the matters that are increasingly generating business include big truck, uh, big tech antitrust matters, right where the government is increasingly looking into the exercise of market power by Google and Amazon and uh, Microsoft. And again, you know, the the idea is that the governments are wary of big companies exercising their market power, and so they hire Bates White to help them understand the extent to which that market power leads to bad consumer outcomes. Um, one of Bates White's experts just testified on behalf of the Department of Justice in the Google search antitrust matter as an example of the kind of work that's being driven through this, um, this subpractice. Um, and although there's been some discussion about maybe less uh, merger activity. Bates-White's mergers practice is quite active. And again, this, I think, primarily comes from the increased scrutiny uh, of these deals and Bates-White's increasing share of the work kind of within that practice. Um, And so, you know, in markets like consumer goods and travel and healthcare, companies are still merging. Uh, The government is interested in reviewing the potential antitrust implications of those mergers, and so Bates White gets hired to provide some expert witness testimony uh, on behalf uh, of the, the entities involved in those deals.
1: I think that anti-cyclical should be the next sexy word, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a very sexy business space to be in. So uh, everybody thinks that it's all about the industry, but being anti-cyclical, that's, that's the magic right there, Joe. Yeah. Um, okay, wonderful. Well, thank you all. I think that was incredibly good color. I'd like to move on to the second question, which is an area of uncertainty that your firm is dealing with and how you're handling the uncertainty. So I'd like to begin with L.E.K. for this one.
7: Sure, um, you know, I think even in though the question you previously asked for this wasn't explicitly about uncertainty. I think people touched on a lot of elements of that. I would say though that one of the bigger elements aside from our clients um is really internally around ways of working. I think mm-hmm. that um Jenny, you had mentioned this in the the beginning and and we've talked about it a bit, but I think that, in this, um, you know, post-COVID world that we're coming in, I think one of the areas of uncertainty is, as we think about, you know, trying to preserve the office-based culture of LEK. Is how do we think about hybrid work and the new working model going forward? I think in in consulting in general, there is always a mix of, you know, wanting to not only work closely with your clients, but it's a, it's a team sport, as I say a lot. And, you know, it's the people you work with is, is super critical. And so how do you best foster that in a world that's, you know, maybe not everyone in person, but also not entirely on Zoom calls like this. Um, And so I think that, like many firms, we have moved to more of a hybrid model um, where you're partially in the office and partially remote, um, but we're honestly still evaluating, you know, is that the right um, path forward and how can we, you know, still preserve the culture uh, of the company, which was so much based on being in the office with your peers five days a week, especially because, you know, at Lek we weren't traveling as much and still do not um, to do on-site work. So, it's um definitely an area of uncertainty, uh, not specific to consulting, but it is important in consulting just given how closely you work together with your teams. This is not a, oh, let's meet with the team once a week. I think most people on the phone know that you're constantly in contact with the teams that you're working mm-hmm. with. And so how can we, you know, really make that as uh, efficient and rewarding as possible?
1: Love that.
7: Do you see that
1: affecting both? Incoming hiring, as well as retention, or being overweighted on one or one or the other of those.
7: Yeah, you know, I think um, you know we're we're reaching the point too where many people um, who are at Lek specifically at our associate level, uh, folks that are generally folks that have joined the firm within the past three years, and you know, the number of people who remember what it was like in 2019 and earlier is becoming smaller and smaller or rather a lower and lower percentage of, of our staff more broadly. And so it's a really, um, I would say it's definitely on the, the the retention side of things, it, it's a big role. But I think from a recruiting perspective, I, it, you know, my guess is there are probably a lot of different ways that firms are approaching this. And, you know, we want to make sure that we can still offer people that apprenticeship model that we've been talking about for years and years and how does that translate into a hybrid environment? In related but unrelated news, I saw
1: today that the pumpkin spice latte has been in existence for 20 years. This is apparently their 20-year their anniversary, and I thought there are kids walking around on college campuses all across America that have never lived in a world without a pumpkin spice latte. Like, just think of that. What a what a generational transformation. So um, exactly, I, I exactly. love that you're talking about this. Amazing. Jen, IGS, uh, What what's an area of uncertainty that you're seeing and how is it affecting how your firm is operating right now?
4: Yeah, I think, you know, from a recruiting standpoint, you know, I think one of the things we're struggling with is, is how aggressive should we be in hiring? Um, should we be hiring ahead of demand or to keep up with demand? You know, it's, it's, it's always sort of an age old question because we are relatively a small firm. Um, you know, coming out of the pandemic, we had, you know, like many of our colleagues, um, colleague firms did, we had a, you know, six week, eight week wait list to take on new projects because we were so capacity constrained. Um, and there was so much pent up demand coming out of COVID. That certainly has cooled a little bit, but um we want to still, you know, take advantage of the fact that there are so many great candidates out there, and some of our colleagues are not hiring as aggressively. So um, we're sort of trying to weigh the pros and cons of, you know, I don't think we've ever overhired, but um, again, we want to re- recruit and retain the best talent that we can. So that's something that's ongoing. Um, and I think we're, we've done a pretty good job at being conservative in our numbers, um, but also, you know, really taking advantage again of the great network of people that are out there because we're always trying to add to our team. Um, from a business standpoint, you know, a lot of our clients, again, are these private equity funds are sort of take on the buy and build strategy in that they will invest in a platform investment and then they will take advantage of all of these founder owned firms that are coming to market because a lot of the sponsor owned firms are not coming to market. Um, so they'll be adding on um, to their platform investment. And we've been doing a lot of add on um, um, MA work um, in the last you know, six to eight months. Um, and I think one of the challenges with that is for our clients is really how to best integrate all of these add-ons, you know, in the, in the, in the past, they would just add, you know, take on a bunch of add-ons and just throw them together, um, and not really think about, um, how best to integrate them and are they the right fit for the portfolio and how are they going to, again, integrate with what they currently have and their systems and their processes and things like that. So we've been helping them with that. um, And that's something that we're learning about too, um, as we move forward in this environment, um, but again, we're generalists, so we look at everything our clients look at. So we are not dependent on one or two sectors. So we're seeing growth in some, you know, some area, some sectors, and and not so much in others. But again, because we are so broadly, um, our, our clients have such broad interests, we get to sort of take advantage of what's popular and what's not.
1: I love that. Um, now, moving from the macro to the micro, the last question that I've prepared is: uh, What is one skill that you're selecting for in candidates that's different in years past? So this one will be addressed first to Carney and then to Advancy.
5: Great. Well, I was I was kind of expecting this question. So and and I'm and I might uh, make it a little bit of a more complicated answer. So there isn't no, really ahead. one skill set. So I know there's been a lot of comments in the chat around hiring what are firms doing how are we hiring we are in a very different time right now with recruiting across the board you know in coming out of the pandemic 2021 into 2022 we had some of the the historically largest volume of hiring you know in in the industry um and then as the market shifted and we were onboarding you know this these high numbers of new joiners um you know we we had to kind of take a step back so I would say that recruiting and hiring right now is very mixed. We have practices at Kearney that are very skill specific. We are doing capability building. So we are looking for very specific skill sets that we don't already have in house. And it's taken us a while, again, because of all of our all of our hiring in the last, you know, 18, 24 months, what do we have in house kind of indexing that? Where do we need the skills? Whatever, are, what are our clients looking for? So we have things like, you know, in our strategic operations and performance practice, which is, you know, historically our bread and butter practice, we're looking at hiring into specific towers, like our plan and our make towers, right? We're looking at in our analytics practice, which is growing. We're looking at technical aptitude in supply chain, for example. So there are very specific things that we are looking for. Our transformations M&A practice, we're growing there. We're looking for corporate development or private equity experience. But then we have other practices like our retail practice, consumer and retail practice, and our media technology practice that are looking for grit, that are looking for resourcefulness, that are looking for more of those kind of behavioral and personality type of um, candidates versus specific skills. So you know it really is a different time hiring. We are seeing more things come on. We're trying to figure out and be ahead, as some of our other panelists have said, like where where do where are we seeing the next industries or service practices jump um, and and be in front of that. But it really is very interesting that it it really is dependent on the business and the practice and what we're seeing from our clients. And being very specific around skill set and capability adding. All right,
1: how do you communicate that? Right, one of the questions that people come to us is that they say it's hiring over. Is there a season? Um, you know, wh- when these opportunities come up, are they? Is, is this one of those situations where it really is like we post all of the jobs? Yep, absolutely. And and like if it's not up, it's not. We're not hiring for it. Is that kind of one of those specific situations, or is it a? Yeah. We're always hiring. We we hold a bench we want you to stay active opportunities may open up um you know to get help it's, us translate that because i think in, in this micro targeted environment it becomes really hard for people to figure out how to relate
2: mm-hmm.
5: so it's a great question it's a great question so on campus or so undergrad mba or masters you know there is a cycle there right it's dependent on time of school it's dependent so there is a cycle to our hiring we just completed our you know mba2 hiring we're looking at our summer internship for 2024 you know so that there is a cycle there. Um, But for experienced hires and our executive hires, it is absolutely just in time. And so we post when we have active needs, we do pipelining, we do benchmarking, we do hang on to candidates that we know, you know, if we don't have an opportunity now, based on a requisition that we had posted previously, if we've hired Some individuals, but we know that there are some other good individuals there. We stay close to them. We make sure that they are like, you know, top of mind when a new opportunity comes up. At Carney, we have monthly forecast meetings where we are looking at kind of state of the business at our, at our hiring needs and at our attrition levels. We are at like our historically low attrition um, people aren't hiring, so people aren't leaving, and that's part of the overall headcount and capacity planning. Right, that firms look at is not only revenues and headcount, but attrition levels. And if we if we're not having the attrition level that we have modeled into the plan, we're going to slow it down. So we're really looking at um, all of these different things at experience level. It is absolutely just in time, and when we do have an opening, we will post um, and we will look at it. It's also interesting um, that, you know, in years past, and especially when there's been really strong hiring, referrals were always our number one, um, our, our number one source for candidates. That's That's shifted in the last six to nine months because we are very focused on Adding and complementing what we already have in our employee population. So while we absolutely look at referrals, it's not it, it's not necessarily weighted as the same as the actual candidate what the candidate brings to the table. So there's maybe even a little bit more opportunity if you don't have a foot in the door with the referrals if you have the right experience that we're looking for. Love it. Okay, thank you,
1: um, Lou.
2: Advancy. Um, yeah, sure. So I think one thing that we are um, looking for in our candidates, which is a uh, slightly more important than before, is kind of you know the maturity and professionalism um, that that we are looking for. I think you know you know after COVID oh, um, of all the years, a lot of the candidates we're seeing spent all the COVID years. I guess. Doing online classes and even online internships. So I think may, maybe there were not as much, you know, interactions um, um, that happened in person, um, which kind of in, you know, impacted, you know, the, the kind of the, the new hires we're seeing, um, maybe not so familiar with how to behave in an office environment, you know, how to work in an environment where, you know, people are working professionals. Um, who are expected to deliver versus, you know, uh, at school, like, uh, no teachers and classmates were kind of, you know, equal and, um, like try to take care of each other and without, you know, expectations of, uh, delivering professionally. So that's something that we are, Mm -hmm. you know, trying to, uh, target a bit differently this year. Before we were mostly focusing on, you know, smart, uh, students who can handle our case interviews, who are able to uh, work hard. Um, But this year, in addition to being able to do our case interviews, we would also like to see candidates who show a bit of more maturity and to be able to work in a professional environment. Okay,
1: I love it. Well, uh, we are gonna move now to just a few final audience questions. We're gonna do these fairly quickly. And I'm just gonna let uh, a few of our panelists jump in. We'll take up to two um, for each of these audience questions. um, And then we're gonna go to just kind of um, round robin quick closings. So uh, I really have enjoyed the conversation. This has been super fun, but there are a few things that we haven't covered yet. Uh, one is just actually getting really down tactically specifically into an interview. So in light of everything that we've talked about today, what is the best follow-up question you've heard or would recommend somebody ask a potential employer after an interview?
8: I, I, I'm happy to take that one. Thanks Steven. The best. Um, I, I think my, my Personal view is when I say at the end of an interview, I'd like to be helpful to a candidate in answering questions they have about ACNC. Um, that reflects a genuine desire to be helpful to candidates in, in understanding OCNC and is part of the process. At that point, you know it, it's a two-way process. That that is me selling OCNC to you. So personally, I, I don't judge a candidate based on the questions they ask. Um, now, maybe if, if you ask one that she's done no research or is inappropriate or something like that, of course that can be negative. Um, but but really, the case study and when we talk about people's resumes, that that's where we're thinking if they'd be a good addition to our team. And once we found good candidates, we want to make sure it's a great mutual fit. So I would, I think my encouragement would be, yeah, the best thing for us is to to tell us what you'd like to know. Um, I think
1: that's awesome. Anybody else want to weigh in? Second, second voice on that one?
5: I can weigh in um, from a Carney Sorry. perspective. We like candidates that have done their research um, and know it, you know and have looked into the company and have kind of, you know potentially play it around on our website and see what we offer and bring some of that and and then kind of pair that with what they think, how they can provide value and add to that based on their experience and how they differentiate themselves from all our other candidates. So I think really doing your research, not only doing your research on the firm, but doing research on your interviewers. Um, And even if that's after the interview and getting on LinkedIn and seeing, you know, and then having that kind of thank you or, you know, that um that follow-up communication I feel goes a long way. Love it.
1: Second question, and this is a hot, hot topic right now, um international student hiring, right? Um, Do you, um, and I'll just ask maybe for those of you who do weigh in on this one, um, how do you, right? How do you determine that an international student is the best fit? Is it only through an internship pathway? Um, Is there a different interview process? What is it about an international student that would make you willing or more, um, you know, it willing or, or more interested in um, hiring or sponsoring an international student. So for those of you who do hire, I'd love for you to weigh in on this one.
2: Um, I can start. Um, so we hire international students. Um, actually for us, like we don't really care whether a candidate needs sponsorship or not. All we care about is whether they fit our hiring criteria, wh- whether we like them whether they are smart enough, whether they can go through our um, interview process. Um so we don't really, we don't really uh you know care about the the sponsorship requirement.
1: Amazing. So would you recommend they don't even bring it up, Lou? That it because it's not really a key issue?
2: I think when they um when they fill the application form online, there's a question about whether they need a sponsorship. Um, but that's not in any way, like hurting anyone, uh, our consideration of any candidates.
1: That's super helpful. Thank you. Anyone else want to weigh in on this one?
7: I'd say at LEK, it's pretty similar as well, where it's not has no bearing on the you know ability to get an offer. Um, it is just something though that we do not do for each of our roles so it is a bit role dependent um, so for our life science specialists, our consultants, both full-time or those who are doing a summer consultant um, internship during their MBA, we do um, sponsor international students but not for the um you know it's more focused on those groups. but again, I think it doesn't really. If I'm doing, and I'm not on the recruiting team at LEK, and I know that when I'm conducting an interview, I do not know if the person I'm interviewing, you know, would require sponsorship. It only really comes up after they we decide to give them an offer and then we get into more of the logistics around it. Great,
5: one last voice if there's somebody else who wants to share. No, I, I'll just double down on and everything, you know, that everyone else said, you know, it's all one candidate pool. We're, we're assessing the candidates holistically, um, and that is not something that's necessarily taken into consideration. We're looking at, you know, what does the candidate bring to the table um, as an entire candidate? And then we go from there. Beautiful. Well, I just wanna say thank you
1: so much to the panelists. Jacob is gonna put up a final slide. Uh, For everyone who's in the audience today, we're gonna give the panelists just an opportunity to give uh, one quick word of advice or uh, insight, anything that you weren't able to share, Um, we'll just run through and we'll go, uh, Stephen, we'll start with you and we'll go backwards from the way that we did the introductions. Um, but I just want to say thank you so much for joining. If there are future panels that you think would be fantastic, we always love um, to hear from that. We do have an upcoming one on DEI recruiting in the U.S. on November 15th. Um, so, Stephen, I'll I'll give you the floor. Uh, one final piece of advice, 30 seconds or less, and we'll just run through the, the panelists. Thank you, everyone, again, for joining.
8: Yeah, absolutely. So I think my piece of advice, and, and I think the fact that people are you know, joining this session is an indication that probably most of you are probably heeding (laughs) this advice is I think consulting recruitment processes are important to be thoughtful about. We are a a very broad industry where roles can look very different. So speaking to lots of firms to learn what the right fit of role is for you, understanding what case studies look like in that segment, how can you best prepare yourself? um, I think it's hugely valuable. Is it Ultimately, a consulting interview isn't something you can prep for and actually kind of over prep a little bit. But I I think being thoughtful and deliberate about it is my would be my one piece of advice.
1: Thank you so much. Um, Ellie Kay, Amanda.
5: We may have lost her.
1: Amanda, I'll come back to you if you're still here. Uh, Ty.
6: Yeah, you know, I think I've heard a lot of great perspectives on this call. I've been with KPMG now for 21 years, and uh, came from another big four consultancy firm. If you want to see who that is, go ahead and connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, but you know, it's been a, a wild ride when you look back over 20 years with with Y2K and com and the credit crisis and all these different events that changed the way that we're you know operating and we're going to market and the resources that we need. Uh, The KPMG economists are seeing a lot more activity uh, in the the deals market and mergers and acquisitions, which then fuels growth with our commercial clients where then we need more resources to be able to deliver. And that's also why we have a balanced portfolio of different service offerings, different um, clientele within the different industries so that we can um, further invest in certain industries while others may be lagging behind. Um, some of the skill sets that we talked about today, from a technology perspective, from reimagining who you are as a strategy and a management consultant, um, challenging yourself will continue to open up the opportunities that you have. And finally, I would just say that it is a relationship-based game in terms of everything that we do. So feel free to reach out to, you know, KPMG's got a big jobs board of all the opportunities that we have, but also do some research in terms of who we are, who some of the service network uh, resources are. Connect on LinkedIn, and and we're always going to be willing to go the extra mile to connect, have conversations, and help it to become a fit when you're actually applying and going through that interview process. I love it.
1: Thank you for your warmth and your encouragement. Cara,
5: Carney. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, be authentic, be true to who you are. Don't try to, you know, kind of game the system or listen to all these, you know, different strategies to get in. We want to really know who you are. We have something called Carney Originals. You know, we want everyone to be authentic in their true selves, you know, at the firm. You know, we want to make sure that we are inclusive and um and and that we are celebrating differences in individuality and that we're all you know kind of in this in this shared environment shared culture so figure out kind of who you are and what you bring to the table um and then as as we we're saying you know do your research what are the kinds of firms what are the kinds of roles that you think are best suited to what you want to be doing um and and lead with that and I think that goes a long way.
7: Yeah, I know. Thank you, um,
4: Jen. Yes, sure. You know, I think one of the things is you know that differentiates our applicants um, during the interview process is someone who can really prove to us from the get-go that they can lead teams, not that they can just come on board and be a part of a team, um, but someone who can be a case team leader as well as a content leader. So someone who can drive. Um, the project forward and really help mentor the associates as well as you know, you know, articulate findings to not only the client but the management team. Um, you have a lot of different um, people that you're engaged with um, as a pro as a project leader, um, someone who can take ownership from the get go. Um, we'll put you in front of clients. You you have the opportunity pretty early on in your tenure here at IGS to build your own book of business. So someone who's ready to really jump in and be a par- be a leader. Uh, I know that's sometimes hard to um, articulate during an interview, but um, certainly try to. Show experience in that, and not that not that you would just be again a part of a team, but that you could lead a team. Um, and again, we look at everyone look at people from very different backgrounds. Um, we love liberal arts students um, who you know were humanities majors. We think that that sometimes those are the best critical thinkers, the best writers, um, the best problem solvers. So we're not just looking for ex bankers or ex consultants on the MBA path or um, people with economics, undergrad majors. We're looking for people who are smart and creative and love to learn about a lot of different things. So um, I would just encourage people to apply and again, be yourself. Thank you, Jen. Uh, Joe Bates-Wighton.
3: right, sure, thanks. <clears throat> um, I think my advice would be simple. It would be to set as a minimum threshold, finding a place where you can see yourself enjoying, interacting with your colleagues on a daily basis. And then among the firms that remain, the choices that remain, choose the one where you feel most challenged um, and use that as some criteria for for making the right decision for you.
1: And definitely use the word anti-cyclical in the hiring process, right? Mm. (laughs) I love it. Thanks, Joe. Love your perspective. Really appreciate having you. Um, Lou, Advancy, last but not least.
2: Sure. I think my advice would be to do do the research before applying to um, the companies uh, and really understand what you are looking for and what the companies can offer so that you uh, you can get to a place where you'll be happy with uh, the work, with uh, with the people. um, And I think that would provide uh, the best opportunity for, for growth.
1: Amazing. Thank you so much to all of our panelists. You have just made me fall in love with all of your firms over again. I'm sure that the folks that are on the call are feeling the same way. Thank you to everyone in our audience career service officers, uh, folks that are in school, out of school, wherever you are um, in your career, your work. Thank you for joining us today. We're looking forward to future panels. Um, Again, to stay connected, you can uh, click on this link. We'd love to see you in the future. Tomorrow, I host one minute office hours on LinkedIn where you can send any question that I can answer in a minute or less. Um, We're just excited to help all of you along the journey to uh, continue to grow this consulting industry and to see as it shapes and evolves um, in the future, how we can add more value to companies and governments all around the world. Thanks again for joining.
0: Wasn't that an insightful look into the state of consulting, we thought so and hope you think so as well. Again, check out the link in the show notes to learn more about each firm to see open job opportunities as well as to get in touch with these firms if you had questions that we didn't ask on the panel. In addition, make sure to register for an upcoming panel or other event. We host two to four live events each month, we'd love to have you join link in the show notes for all the goodies. Thank you for tuning in to Strategy Simplified, hope to catch you again on another episode very soon.